0: It's always a little bit overwhelming when Doctor Riggs and Mrs. Riggs are both not here because you go, know, you gotta cover like all these different things at one time. You gotta play the piano, you gotta, and I can't play hymns and sing well and all that at the same time, and it's it's a lot. So I I appreciate your grace um, on on days like this. Um, it's hard it's it's hard sometimes. So sometimes when Doctor Riggs gets away, so. So it's okay, you know, his wife is still here, so she can at least play the hymns for me. Uh, But when not, it's a little difficult. So I appreciate um, your patience with me. Brother, I've seen you here a couple services now. I'm sorry that I'm mixing mixing that up on you. So uh, Sorry about that. But you ready to get in the Word? I'm done being awkward. Don't be awkward. Turn to Psalms chapter one. Turn to Psalms chapter one. I ask you to bear with me. I have no idea where the lapel is. So but I've got a big mouth, so I should be okay. I'm going to get out of it. Psalm chapter one. It's amazing. You know I've preached a trillion times. And you never stop getting nervous, you never stop minds racing and hearts racing and all that stuff, and so there's a lot going on, but we're going to get through it, right? Psalms chapter 1, if you're already there, Psalms 1, it's a very familiar passage, Uh, many people know it, many of you maybe can quote it from memory, but we're going to look at this passage today and talk about some things. It says in verse 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And his leaf also shall, uh, shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. When you get saved, the Bible says that, behold, all things have passed away, and all things become new, and that you become this new creature. But I've I've noticed a lot of times as Christians, what we'll find is that we're having a hard, uh, many of us may find that we're having a hard time, uh, we're having a hard time growing. We're having a hard time moving forward and growing in our faith, and many times we may we may look at our lives and say, "Man, it's been X amount of years or X amount of months, and I feel as though I haven't grown much. I feel as if I haven't really grown in the way that maybe I think I should." Maybe you may look around and see other people and maybe compare, and you may think, "Man, what's it taken for me uh, to be like that?" Or you you may look and at, at the Bible and see what uh, what you may decide is a is a growing and a strong Christian, and may say, "Well, man, I'm not I'm not quite." where I want to be. And what i found a lot of times is the reason why many Christians aren't growing is because they're still holding on to some things. The reasons why they're not growing is because maybe there are parts of your past life that you might not have severed ties with. Maybe there's elements of who you used to be, um, that old man that you still actively hang out with on a daily basis. And Um, In a message I've entitled, I Can't Play With You, I want to talk to you about um, just a few quick things that you should know about how to be growing and be the kind of Christian that you need to be. So let's pray, and then let's do it. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your son. Oh, Lord, I just thank you uh, uh, for the privilege and opportunities to occupy the pulpit, I pray that you be with our pastor while he's away. I pray that you would calm my nerves and that you would speak to them the way you spoke to me, Lord. And we'll give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. I can't play with you. What does it mean to be blessed? It starts off in verse 1 saying, blessed is the man. So what does it take to be blessed? What does it take to uh, to, to grow and, and to receive the things that, that, that the Bible says we have as being joint heirs with Christ, as being adopted, as being engrafted into the vine? What is it what, what is it that we need to do in looking, our, looking at our lives that says, okay, I want to grow as a child of God. What are some things that I need to know? Look at verse 1. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Number one, plain and simple. You want to grow, you can't hang with the ungodly. You want to grow, you can't hang with the ungodly. Anybody in here... Um, gave their life to Christ after the age of 15? Anybody in here after the age of 15, all right? What about after the age of 20, 25, 30, 35? Okay, so, okay, that's good enough. But But look at that. There are several people in this room who probably in one way or another have developed some sort of a past before you came to know Christ. And if that's you, you may have people or things or places in your, in your life that you know were not good influences on you. And I don't know about you, but if I ever get with, I'm, and I'm not someone that's very easily influenced. I'm not. But being around people or places or things that were part of who I used to be, it's not long before they start to pull the old me back out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's not long around hanging around in that old life before you find that you'll be saying the same things, doing the same things, going to the same places that you used to go that you may have cut off because you're trying to live this life for God, right? You're trying to give your life to God, and you know that there are some things that you have to put a restriction on because if you get involved with those things, you know you're going to slip right back into that old man. And the truth of the matter is, there are many Christians across this world who are battling. Let me tell you this. There's going to be a battle with the flesh your entire life. Your entire life. That is one of the key indicators of of how you know that you're saved. There's that conflict between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? And so that that conflict is already there. But you'll find that many times we kind of, we haven't severed the ties. We haven't. We haven't burned the bridge to our past selves, and what you have to realize is you you need to get with your past and tell them I can't play with you. Not anymore. Not if I not if I want to not if I want to give my life to Christ. Not if I not if I want to not if I want to be a growing Christian, a growing servant. Not if I not if I want to be the kind of man of God or woman of God that I, that God wants me to be. Because God, listen to me, beloved. God does not call us to mediocrity. You know what the Bible says? I beseech you, therefore, as strangers and pilgrims of this world. Second Peter says that you are royal priesthood, which means that you are royalty. Imagine, imagine the queen of England going to a burger joint and getting the biggest, sloppiest burger she could. And, she, I mean, she's got her white gloves on and her pretty dress. And she's eating. I mean, she's just getting into this burger, man. I mean, her gloves got sauce all over it and just spilled on her dress. I mean, the whole restaurant will probably look at her and think, what is she doing? doesn't look like she's not eating like a queen. And regardless of whether she was or not, there's a certain status and stigma that she's required or expected to uphold because of who she is. Y'all see where I'm going? As a Christian, if you want to go, if you want to grow, you're gonna to have to get with the ungodly things, the ungodly places, the ungodly people in your life, and say, "Hey, I am expected to be a child of God." The Bible says that uh, that we are supposed to give our lives as a living sacrifice unto God. He says, the, "I gave you my Son; the least you could do is live for me." Second Corinthians five fifteen says, "Wherefore we're supposed to live our lives for the one who died for us." And newsflash: hanging out with the ungodly is not gonna do that for you. It's not going to do that for you. What do you mean? What's the ungodly? Those who do wrong. Brother Xavier, what's wrong? You know what the Bible says, beloved? That to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Literally, sin is just not doing what you're supposed to. What you know is right. Check this out. You know that in the house of of God there are ungodly? In the house of God, there are are ungodly. You're going to have to use the spiritual discernment that you are given with the Holy Spirit to decide and decipher between who and what is going to be a hindrance in your walk. You know, in the Bible, when it talks about, it says, lay aside the sin, but not also just the sin, but the weight. Sometimes things aren't sin, but they're weight. They're slowing you down. And you're going to have to get with some things. And you're going to have to get with some people. and You're going to have to get with some places and says, hey, I cannot hang with you anymore. Why? Because I'm trying to grow and be the kind of Christian that I need to be. But I cannot be blessed if I am walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Can't do it. The word iniquity can be defined as premeditated sin. There can be ungodly amongst Christians. I remember the first time I walked onto the field house I walked onto the property of Pensacola Christian College. And I was there, and I remember having this overwhelming filming that wa- feeling that this is where I'm supposed to be. And I was there, and I was getting this tour from uh, the guys in the room that I was staying at. And they were showing me some places. And I walked into this place on campus called the Fieldhouse. And the Fieldhouse was a, was, a, was a boys-only building that had you know, a weight room. Uh, basketball courts and the ladies had their own and the guys had their own and so stuff like that but I walked in there and I wasn't in there five minutes before I started hearing people curse and I just remember being taken back like what I was thinking like man you get here and everyone's going to be this godly person and everyone's trying to love and please the Lord and, and I mean it's the field house you, if you ask anyone that went to PCC and you ask them about the field house they'll tell you about the field house about how true colors come out in there there can be ungodly amongst Christians. And, and, and it, says here, it says here, they don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That's, that's dwelling in their presence in almost a permanent fashion. And it's not just, it's not just people. It's not just, it's not just people, but it's, it's, it's all the areas of your life that can be deemed that. Ye- and what's true is that you know what those things are in your life, being honest. You know what the things are in your life that says, hey, if I do this or go there or hang with this person, I know that it's going to bring out a part of me that, that's not going to be honoring and, and, and glorifying the God. And I know it's hard to uh, to cut those things off, but what does the Bible say? It's better to, to pluck your eye out than for the whole body to be cast into hell. And what does that mean? Is that sometimes you have to make small sacrifices in order to grow and be the kind of Christian uh, that we need to be, to be the kind of the, the person of God uh, that, that we want to be or that we're trying to be, that, meat, that meat-eating Christian. And in order to do that, you're going to have to go to the ungodly in your life and say, you know what, I'm sorry, but I can't play with you. And that's going to be hard to do. Because I know, that, I know that there are people in my life that don't live right, family members and things like that, and it's tough. And you're like, what do I do? How much is too far? What's, what's, what's the line? Pray for discernment. Ask God to show you those things. So, uh, I can't play with you. How do, how do you grow? Number one, you don't hang with the ungodly. Number two, you don't stand in the way of sinners. Look at the verse. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners. You know what that means? Let me see. We talked about this last week in church, so I'll use this example. If you're, in an, if you're an alcoholic, recovering alcoholic, and you don't and you're trying to work on that element of your life how many of you guys would agree that hanging out with people who drink and going to the pub is a bad idea bad idea why because to stand in a to put yourself in a position where you can be tempted to sin is an abuse of grace if you know that you're prone, you know, to, to do something and you put yourself in the way that you can't say, all right, I'm going to go ahead and dwell in this area and put myself in the way for 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 sin or so, for some te- for temptation to happen. And when that happens, you say, God, give me the grace to be strong. No, you got to you got to distance you got to detach yourself from that. Who remembers Joseph and Potiphar's wife? When Potiphar's wife said, "Lay with me." And she grabbed him by the coat. What did he do? He just left the coat and just he left. Why? Because he knew that. He didn't even want to be in the position to sin. And the truth of the matter is, many times as Christians, we put ourselves in a position to stand in the way of our very own stumbling block. Our very own stumbling block. You put yourself in, in, in trouble's way, areas that are conducive to problems, things that you know for a fact will tempt you or, or cause you to stumble or, or to backtrack in your walk or to backslide or whatever you want to call it, but you have to realize that you cannot stand in the way of sinners and, and dwell with God. What does the Bible say? That men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You've got to be really careful. You've got to be hands-on. You've got to be proactive. You have to be on the offense with your walk because the flesh and this world and the devil are all teething up against you. And you have to be on the offense in your Christian walk and not put yourself in the way of stuff or things, of places that are going to cause you to struggle. Because let me tell you this. If you stand in the road long enough, a car is going to come. And you're going to have to decide whether you're a new Christian, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years. The, the, same, the same principle applies to every person across the board, is that if you're going to grow, you're going to have to go to the ways, those, those pathways, those, 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 those canals, those corridors in your life that you know are going to set you back in your walk and say, you know what, I can't play with you. And board that up. Light a match and set it on fire. Because if you stand in the way long enough, you are going to find that you're going to find yourself in trouble number 3 they don't sit in the seat of the scornful blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful the scornful a scorner is someone who refuses to do something just based off being proud you know in the church there's scorners you know what I'm talking about? The people that complain about everything? The people that are the people that are constantly murmuring? Can I take you back to the children of Israel and saw what them constantly undermining Moses' authority got them? How about all how about an 11-day journey turning into 40 years? How about uh, how about the people murmuring against Moses and his wife got people turned to leprosy? What about what about when 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 people were when, when the children of Israel, that God used Moses to deliver them out of Egypt and, and he was bringing them to the place of the promised land and they would, they would question Moses and say, wow, did God bring us out here to die? It was better for us to be in Egypt when we were slaves and we were being, uh, we were being punished and tormented. And a lot of times we have a tendency to kind of sit back and complain or talk bad about or elevate ourselves to a position. And listen to me, if you're going to be someone that is a scorner, someone who who constantly feels like your way is better or doing things wrong on on purpose or trying to constantly sabotage, the Lord is not going to bless that. The Lord is not going to bless that. He's not. You're going to have to decide that I'm going to do things the right way with the right spirit. Did you know that if you're not going to do something with the right spirit, it's better to not do it at all? I remember being a teenager and my mom telling me to, telling me or my siblings to take off the trash and and maybe we'll... Uh, maybe we'll do it, but we'll have like an attitude about it. How many of you with children know what I'm talking about? Wash the dishes, or or take off the trash, or clean your room, and they'll do it with an attitude. They may huff and puff, and then mom goes, "You know what? Forget it. Go to your room." Why? Because she she said if you're gonna have a nasty attitude about it, don't even do it at all. But the scorner, they don't sit. They don't sit in the seat of the scornful. They are not someone who uh, who is doing things wrong on purpose. They're trying to uh, make a point to cause problems. They make it a point to, uh, to get in trouble and, and open defiance. And God says to stay away from the people who are constantly trying to undermine what's going on, whether that be in the church, whether that be in your job, whether that be in your home. You're going to have to decide, okay, I want to, if I'm going to grow and be the kind of Christian that God wants me to be, I'm going to have to not hang out with the scornful, the people that always have something to say. By the way, keeping it honest with you What makes them comfortable to come to you about that? You ever thought about that? You ever heard of the old expression, you are who your friends are? You lie down with dogs, you get fleas. And it's not long before people start to rub off on you and you'll find yourself being in the same way, the same boat, doing the same things. And you're going to have to rise above. You're going to have to rise above. You're going to have to be a royal priesthood. You're going to have to be act like the child of God that you're supposed to be. And being a scorner is not gonna do that. What if you were the person that what if you were the person that was being told to be stay to stay away from? I remember I had uh, someone in college and and she was dating this guy and this guy was really awful to her. And and she was talking to me about some of those things I was like honestly you could probably do better. So she actually went back and told her boyfriend that I told her that. And on Monday at work, I worked maintenance for PCC. And we we're driving in our cart. And our maintenance director paired me up with her boyfriend. And we we're driving in the golf cart down the street. And I'm like, man, this is so awkward. And he goes, so Mary, told me what you said. And I was like, oh my gosh. If I could die, you see how dark I am? I, I praise God for it. Because if I was any lighter man, I'd have been red as a tomato. And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, it told, she told me what you said, that you think she can do better. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to get in a fight. <sighs> and he just told me how, he said, it hurt my feelings. He said, to hear someone think those things about you, for to hear someone say that you should stay away from that person. It made them feel bad. It made them feel, it made them feel awful. And if you do wrong, it follows you. You make a name for yourself. And you don't, you don't, we talked about honesty in, in, in Sunday school today. And we're talking about how it takes 10, it can take 10 years to build a testimony and only 10 seconds to tear it down. And there are people that I know from my childhood that when their name comes up, I still think about the negative things that they did 10, 15 years later, 20 years later. And it's not that you're trying to be judgmental, but you have a certain stigma that's attached to people that you know. And it's hard to restructure that thing in people's minds. The Bible says that even some of those traits are passed down to the fourth generation. You have to make sure that you understand that that who you are as a person follows you. And I remember Pastor Riggs, not um, our Dr. Riggs, but his father told me something. He said, w- when you get into the ministry, you have to realize that there are going to be some things that you have to give up because of the cause of Christ. And that the testimony for, of God is more important than maybe some of the wants and desires that, that we have ourselves. And sometimes we don't realize that creating this name or just living our, living our lives in, in a certain state um, or, 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 or form is going to cause us to create a name for ourselves that maybe we won't want. And for someone to think that, oh, that person's a scorner is going to follow you. It's going to follow you, and then you're going to you're gonna have to decide what kind of traits that you want for yourself. And, and to be honest, if you're trying to grow and be, the, be a child of God, you're going to have to go to those scorners and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't be this. I can't, I, I can't hang with you guys and, and do these things because if I, if I do this and this is going to be attached to me, it's going to hurt my ability to minister. It's going to help hurt my ability uh, uh, to grow and, and, and to be the child of God that I need to be. And so you're going to have to decide what kind of person that you want to be. But if you're, going to tr- if you're trying to grow and be the Christian that God wants you to be, there's going to be some things you're going to have to step away from and say, I can't play with you. Look at, number, look at verse 3. It says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The reasons why you have to do this, the fifth reason, is that you'll you'll ruin yourself. You'll ruin yourself. You, 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 if you don't the verses prior that says blessed is the man hey you want to be blessed you want to be you want to receive the benefits that come with being a child of God you're going to have to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of the sinners or or sit in the seat of the scornful his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night you're going to have to decide that I'm going to have to walk in light as he is in the light because if not I'm going to let you know this there is no such thing as just coasting as a Christian you're either growing or you're sl- or you're backsliding. If you haven't spent time with God in two days, you're backsliding. You know that. And, and think about this: if you can go days without walking with God, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Because there's no other relationship in your, there's no other relationship, meaningful relationship in your life that you have that you treat that way. If you have a spouse, you don't talk to them only every other day. Or a friend that you just can just blow off all the time. It's not that, those relationships aren't going to last long, but why do we do it to God? We do it to God all the time, and, we, and we, we rationalize in our minds why we haven't spent time with God today. And the truth is, you'll backslide. If you don't water grass, it'll die. You don't water plants, they'll die. It says that he that, and he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. When your delight is in the law of the Lord and when you learn to meditate on the Lord day and night, and it's the tree that, that, ha, the tree that stands, that's by water is going to be significant. Why? Because that means that it's going to be getting a lots of nutrients, and it's going to grow and be nice and strong and fervent. But if we're being honest... I believe that I'd be naive to say that in a room this size, there are not people that are spiritually malnourished. Anyone can come to church and put a tie on, wear a Sunday dress, carry your King James Bible, sing the old hymns. But God knows what's really going on in here. David said to God, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God knows that heart. He knows the heart. Of, he knows that heart of yours, and so you're going to have to decide if you're going to be that tree planted by the rivers of water, or if you are going to be withering. The Bible says that ye are the salt of the earth, and if the salt has lost its savor, where shall, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. God doesn't, God doesn't want a half-hearted Christian. In, in, in our Sunday night lessons where pastor's going through the, the, the book of Revelation, and we're on the, we're on the, the, the church of Laodicea, and, the, and what does God tell them in, his letter, in their letter? He says that um, you are not hot or cold. I would that you would be hot or cold, but you're not. So because thou art lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Beloved, God does not want a lukewarm Christian. God doesn't but God does not require you to be the Apostle Paul. God does not require you to be you know to be the next, you know, Bobby Robinson. He doesn't want you to be the next D.L. moody. He wants you to be to have a broken and a contrite heart. And what you need to do is you need to check your own self, you need to check your own heart and say, hey, do do I do I really want to serve God? Do I really want to be the best Christian I can be? Because the Bible says to if you're gonna serve him, to do it with all your what? All your might. Do it all. You got, you got to give it all. He says, I want a broken and a contrite heart. Being a half-hearted Christian is not going to get you anywhere. Brother Xavier, I'm having a hard time growing. Well, let me examine in your life. When's the last time you spent time with God? When's the last time you got in the Word? When's the last time you spent time in prayer? When's the last time you tried to do anything in his service? When's the last time you tried to spend time in his house? And if you find yourself doing things that are without God, more well, than you're doing things with God. I'm not shocked that you're struggling. Thing's Xavier, that's judgmental. No, it's honest. The word says that you're the word says, if you look at all the times where God talks about being devout to Him, it's going to be in an entire format Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy might. And the second commandment is, is likewise to love your neighbor. Upon these two things hang all the laws of the prophets. With all your might, not half, not some, not most. By the way, halfway di- half obedience is disobedience. Half obedience. Listen to me. I'm preaching to me too because there are times when I've got to get myself in check or the, the Lord will talk to me and say, you're slacking. And, and I know what it's like to so earnestly really want to, to be what we need to be for God or, or to grow in our walk, but sometimes it seems as though it's really hard. It seems as though it's, it, it's tough because we're battling our, f- our flesh, and I understand that. But you have to understand that if you are going to be the child of God, you're going to have to make some cuts. You ladies with your hair, you ever had a split end? Makes your hair look wild and, and, and untamed? So you go to the beauty salon, you have them trim some inches off of your hair, and it looks and you're, you're happy with it. It looks good. It looks nice and full, nice and, and vol- not a lot of volume. It looks good. But what do you have to do? You had to cut off some of those dead hairs in order for it to grow healthily. Beloved, you're going to have to cut off some of those hairs so that you can grow healthily. I had a, um, I had a friend in college. Two roommates, my first year, Drew and Dustin. And these guys were hilarious because they would get into it every day. It's so funny. And regardless of where your your music standards are, this was a funny story. And uh, uh, Drew was laying in his bed one night, and he had his headphones and He was listening to some kind of rock music, and it was blaring. You could hear it really loudly. (laughs) And Dustin, Dustin always liked to say things just to make Drew mad. And so he'd say he'd yell and go Drew, 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 and he's like What, what, what? He's like You gonna turn that off? And he's like Why do I need to turn it off? He's like Because you shouldn't be listening to that. He's like He's like Why not? He's like I don't think it'll help you grow as a Christian. And he said Well, I just can't. I just can't let it go. He's like Well, the truth is you just love your sin. And he was just saying it. To, he was just saying that to spite him. But the concept was so true that resonated in my heart is that sometimes the truth of the matter is we love where we are. We're backslidden and we know it. We're not growing the way and we know it, but honestly, we just, we don't want to give it up. We don't want to give it up. And um, I'm active on Twitter. I tell you guys that probably every time. Um, but there was a um, how many of you guys know about the, the longtime soul artist Aretha Franklin? She passed away recently. And they had a huge blowout for her funeral. I didn't watch it, but Um, uh, I was tagged in some of the highlights and there was this this pastor that was there and he was kind of handsy with Ariana Grande. And so a lot of people on Twitter were talking about, you know, this is why I don't go to church like, you know, the church are a bunch of, you know, perverts and criminals and all this other stuff and I said, you know, this one really big figure, I I quoted his tweet and I said, you know, he's going to have to answer to God for what he did. But you can't punish God, a perfect God, for his imperfect people. And and that your walk should not be dictated by the walk of someone else's, regardless of what happens. And someone private messaged me, and she said, you know what the problem is? People are looking for any excuse they can to get out. They're looking for any excuse that they can to walk out and say, you know what? Well, this happened. I didn't like the color of the carpet, so I'm leaving. And they'll find anything that they can. Now, what he did is is I'm not excusing what he did, but what I was saying was that your walk isn't contingent upon you. And I love every single person in this room, but if you're not here, I'm going to be in church. And if you walk away from the faith, I'm going to still be in my Bible. And if Pastor Riggs steps down, I'm still going to be here. Because my walk is not contingent upon anyone else's walk but my own. And so what we need to stop doing is stop blaming stuff and stop blaming things and decide that if we look at our own heart and we're being honest, is we got out. We fell back. We slipped up. And the truth of it is, we are sometimes trees that are not planted by the water. We're not getting nutrients. You don't go a day without eating if you can. Eat, you shower, sleep, get in bed, you know, get a good night's rest as you can and whatever that is. And if you take care of your body, why don't you take care of your spirit the same way? You wouldn't purposely not go a whole day without eating, so why do you go a whole day without eating? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou may observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Why are you starving yourself? Brother Xavier, I want to grow, then why are you starving yourself? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting the same result. Brother Xavier, I really want to grow, and I believe that you earnestly do. But if you are not willing to step to some things, some people, some places in your life, and say, hey, I can't play with you, nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change. And you have to decide today that I'm going to be what I need to do, be for God, and I'm going to do what I have to in order to see my walk grow. And the truth of the matter is, some of us just aren't willing to let go of some of those things. The whole purpose is for you to be transparent with yourself. The whole purpose is for you to, the whole purpose is for you to look at your own life and say, okay, let me step back and scrutinize who I am. one thing that I love about, about David is David was constantly asking God to search him. God, bring these things to light. Show me what the things are in my life that I could, that I could remove that, that, that would cause me to get better. You know that story in the Bible when I'm done? That story in the Bible where um, it says that uh, there was a, a, an evil spirit that dwelt in the house. And the evil spirit left the house. And when it was left, the house was cleaned up and it was, it was nice and, uh, and, and empty. But when the spirit left, he came back and he found that the house was clean and empty. So what did he do? He left and got seven more spirits to come and dwell with him. You know why a lot of times as Christians we have a hard time growing? It's because we say, i got to remove this person, but you don't replace them. i got to remove this thing, but you don't replace it. i gotta remove this, I got to remove this place, but you don't replace it. It's, it's, it's the, the remove and replace method. And if you're going to grow, if you if you decide that hey, there are some friends, and by the way, if I can just be honest to be transparent with you, if you're growing in the Lord, the people that are not growing in the Lord or don't want to grow in the Lord, they're going to naturally go like this. Brother Xavier, do you mean you mean to have to go and tell such and such or do you know? No, I believe that if you're living the life that is trying to glorify and and, and honor God, those people or those things in your life that do not correlate or do not work in tandem are going to fall off by themselves. Naturally, you're going to stop getting invited to go out. Naturally, you're going to stop being asked to hang out. Naturally, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna stop having the desire to do these things. And why? Because as you grow, and everyone in here is different, and God is going to work on every single person differently and work on your heart differently, but the challenge I have for you today is for you to search your own heart and say, God, how can I be better for you? What do I need to do in order to plant my tree by the river so that I can get the nutrients and be well-fed and, and be blossoming and, and be fruitful in my life? Because if you've been saved a year and you're the same place that you were when you first got saved, something's wrong. If you've been saved, if you got saved and you're the same place you were five years ago, then something's wrong. You're gonna have to search your own heart and say, wow, this has gotta go, and this has gotta go, and this has gotta go in order for me to be the kind of person that I need to be. And if you are not willing, if you are not willing to remove the things and replace them with the things of God that you need in order to grow as a Christian, Going to God and asking him to help you is in vain. It's in vain. There is no, you could get a personal trainer. You may say, Brother Xavier, I want to hit the gym. I want to get strong. I want to get fit. I want to get in shape. And you get yourself a personal trainer. And the trainer walks you through and shows you all the exercises. And then he says, okay, this is your homework for the week. This is what the exercises you need to do until I see you for the next time. And then you don't do them. And then you see your meet with your trainer every week, but you're not doing the exercises. Meeting with the trainer is in vain. Why? Because you're not doing anything about it. My challenge to you is to not just come to the altar and make a flippant prayer like, God, help me to be better, amen, and walk back to your seat, knowing you're going to walk out of that door and nothing's going to change. What does the Bible say? The Bible says to rent not your garment, but rent your heart. The change has to be here. Keep your heart because out of it are all, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are all the issues of life. You're going to have to decide what's in your heart that's causing it to have gunk and buildup and causing you to not grow the way you want to and remove it. Because, truth of the matter is, I think, I think many of us can say there's probably some things that we can do better. There's probably some ways I can sharpen my walk. There's probably, I could, I could probably, and it's not all sin and weight. It could be something as simple as going to bed early so you can get up in time to read your Bible before you go to work. It can be popping in a gospel, a gospel CD instead of some other, something else. It could be listening to a sermon on your way to work instead of listening to the, maybe you may have a problem with what, what kind of music is feeding your spirit. or And you know what I'm saying? You can find, if you're having a hard time, you know, with, with friends out there, then you need to find some friends in the house of God. Well, either way, you need to figure out what it is that you need to do in order to help you to be the best you you can be for God. So the ball's in your court. It always is. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And many of us can say, wow, I, I, I want to be better. I want to grow better. I want to be the kind of person that God wants me to be. Well, then great. What are you going to do about it? What changes are you going to make? All right? You got to go to some things and say, you know what? I just can't play with you anymore. Your head and close your eyes, please. Is there anyone in here that can say?